0: gold is money it is the absolute ultimate form of money it is exchangeable it's a unit of account can be used in transactions it is valuable throughout time and across all cultures and languages and it's always been accepted in extreme circumstances
1: welcome to the picture of wealth or TPOW as we call it i am your host dustin service Stephen Flood, thank you for coming on the show today. We, you are coming to us from uh, Dublin, Ireland. Very exciting. And we are going to talk everything precious metals and gold. Thank you for coming on the show today.
0: Oh, it's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
1: You're welcome. And uh, so for a lo- listener, I don't know if you've ever had this question, but I sure do. And I'm in the industry of finance, but gold is a bit of a mystery. Or Stephen, could you help us unpack like gold investing and and clients sometimes ask hey can we invest in gold and it's a big topic and so help us understand what, what is a gold market and when people say I invest in gold is that physical gold is it a ETF you know just get us going on the gold market or precious metals in general.
0: Yeah, I mean, like it's it's a it's a great question. It, gold is so unusual; it's not like anything else. It doesn't fit neatly into any category. Um, most investments, like you're in the investment marketplace. I used to trade stocks in Wall Street. Uh, most securities and investment products, what they have is a cash flow that gets that comes from them, and that's really what you're buying when you're buying an investment. You're buying a cash flow. A building, you get rent. A stock, you get a dividend. A bond, you get a coupon, uh, you know and, and so on and so forth, but with gold, you get nothing but a bill. you get a pain in the in the you know what, you get storage costs, you get a, you get you know um, you get a headache from the risk of it going missing. Why on earth would you want something like that? It's nothing but a pain. it does nothing, it's not even productive. It doesn't make stuff. but here's the deal: gold is money, it is the absolute ultimate form of money. It is exchangeable. It's a unit of account. It is. It can be used in transactions. It is valuable throughout time, and across all cultures and languages. And it and it's always been accepted in the ex, in extreme circumstances. So there's a very good reason why the Canadian central bank, the Fed, the Bank of England, less so uh, the Swiss, everybody, they all these countries have gold backing their currencies, and. There's a reason why, is because sometimes, over time, you have black swans. These are statistical anomalies that come out of nowhere. No one saw them coming, but when they land, they are so impactful that they call into question the system that we all rely upon. And ultimately, what happens? Those central banks, they roll out their gold supply, and they go, look, it's bad times right now, but we have this. And this asks no questions, tells no lies, this is exactly what it says to be it says it is, and it doesn't require anyone to do anything for it to retain retain its value. So it's disconnected from the economic system. And as such, compared to every other asset which has a cash flow, gold is valuable for what it is not, not what it is, and it's no one else's liability. And that's the key behind it. So, you know, nuclear winter, whatever you call pandemics. It just sits there and it always is valuable. And that's what makes it unique. So investors turn to it when times are uncertain and they're worried about the future. And they turn to it because they want financial insurance, something that will go up and appreciate in uncertain times and will protect them and bring that diversification element to their portfolio. So there's an old Wall Street adage that says, put 10% of your money into gold and hope to God it does not work. And the thinking is, is, if that 10% is going up, the other 90% is going down and vice versa. The 90% is going up, the 10% is going down and that's okay. It's like health insurance. You don't want to see those, that, those premium dollars coming back. You, never, you want to pay your health insurance and never see that money again and be healthy. So you'd be glad you had it in a downturn. And every you know, 50 odd years, whatever it is, the stock market statistically has you know, a major meltdown. In fact more often recently it's had loads of meltdowns and we're in a kind of a very volatile period of time um, for a whole load of reasons we can talk about later but gold is really coming into its own it's been acquired by by countries all over the world investors all over the world and i think with very very good reason
1: now would so it would it be safe to say that in up stock markets then one should be buying gold because it would be low and then as markets get more turmoil the value of gold in theory goes up and then should someone be getting out of it or is this something that you hold just forever which that i don't know what that what that return has been has it been yeah and i guess there's two parts to that question
0: there is yeah the return on gold if i was to ask you on an annualized basis for the last 20 odd years let's say in u.s dollars what do you think of the annualized return on gold is over 20 years I would say 7 to 7%. Okay, I think you cheated and you looked this up. It's around 9%, uh, okay. 9.2% I believe is what I, when I looked checked it recently. And, uh, any, and, and a chunk of metal that has no real purpose. I mean, it has electronic purposes, it's jewelry, but it has no real productive economic purpose. You don't use it to make stuff, really. Um, returns 9% over 20 years annualized is extraordinary. And it's not so much that gold is going up 9% every year. It's that currencies are going down 9% a year. They're getting printed. So when they talk about the stock market return and they're saying like, you know, properties up and stocks are up and everything's grand, it's, it's a con. It's an absolute con because what they're doing is they're printing the money and they're debasing our currency. And so assets rise in, 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 in nominal terms but not so much in real terms uh, when you adjust. So gold is is getting a catching a bid. More people are looking to it, but they're looking to it to protect the future. Uh, and they realize that currencies are being debased across the board. So it's done really, really well. I think it's going to do even better in the future. There's no guarantees. This is not investment advice. Uh, and what you do is you look at gold as part of a diversified portfolio. And in traditional portfolio theory, when you have a good year, you sell your winners and you buy your losers. You reallocate, you rebalance your portfolio in favor of those things that are oversold. So I would say if the stock market's raging forward and you got great returns, take some of that profit, sell it down a little bit, buy some more gold, decide what the right allocation is for you. Is it 5%, 10%, 20%? Maybe when things get really hairy, you want to dial that up a bit. Maybe when you think things are no, are not so scary, then dial it back. So whatever's right for you, wherever you are in that investment life cycle, uh, you can sell your winners, buy, buy, buy the losers, and rebalance accordingly. So what would you say in a, in a, when you're buying gold, you are
1: speculating that the value goes up in the future, or you're hoping, and when you buy, you know, say, a business, and if you've been you know, on Wall Street, you buy XYZ stock that you know, has good cash flow and pays a dividend, Maybe the market is in a, you know a, a down position, and that's a great business to be around for a long time. Is it not easier to buy the business that has the cash flow to make the return, or, or am I am, am comparing two different things that you know are relevant to each other?
0: No, I mean like this is the thing. People sometimes they get kind of they get kind of um, uh, myopic about money. They think I have to choose winners. And the smart operator, you know, will spread their money around. And your productive capital should be put to work in something that you know, that you understand, that has the risk dyma- dynamics that you're comfortable with, and re- provides a return for you and your family. But you also have to acknowledge that you don't control all the outcomes, and you should have insurance. And that's where gold comes into it. So I would say that gold is is really optimal at that 10 you know, 15% of your portfolio, you leave it in there. If it falls in value, great. And as you become wealthier over time, you know, through your productive decisions that you're making and asset allocations, you put a bit more aside. And it's something for a rainy day. I have um, loads of investors who have far more than 10 or 20% of their their portfolio in gold. They might have 50% plus. They're old. They've got no debt. They've got no mortgage. They've got their house. They've sold their business or they don't need anything. They have a camper van and they're just living life to the max. They're driving around the place, having a great time, seeing their grandkids. Their most important criteria for, for putting their money is not return on capital. It's return of capital. They don't want to get wiped out. And if they don't make any money, happy days. They have enough to spend and they're not going to take it to their grave uh, they're going to give it to their kids, and that's and that's why they have gold because they're they're smart in that they know that the Ponzi scheme and that's really what it is the global debt markets the government bond market um, is based on printed money they're just printing money and paying off the debts of yesterday with printed money today history tells us where this goes um, and and you know you have to decide where you are on that in that argument. Um, I think most people who are, you know, have, have are canny, have traveled the world, know history, read books, or have a healthy degree of skepticism, love the idea of having some a gold kilo bar sitting in their hand, and it doesn't matter what anybody does; its value is fairly secure. We call that, or I call that, financial sovereignty. You're sovereign over your money, and the digital banking system today is fantastic in so many ways you can buy and sell things really quickly pay people really quickly but it's been debased let's face facts and i think it's a good idea to have some of that capital in the form of money that can't be debased and cannot be printed
1: yeah i think you've got some some great points and and one if you know listener who is a crypto advocate is probably putting up their hand saying hey uh well now there's this new thing called btc or Bitcoin." there's this thing called Ethereum that's going to be like oil and gas and you know this Bitcoin's going to be like gold why wouldn't the future just be digital digital yeah. rare thing called fill in the blank crypto
0: yeah i mean like uh, you know the the fiat currency system for canadian dollars and us dollars is actually quite efficient you can lend, you can borrow, you can leverage, you can you can you can actually create money out of collateral that's pledged to a bank. You can do lots of really cool things with it. Bitcoin is a transacting medium. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I love it that it's grassroots. It came out of nowhere. It's got some really good tech behind it, really good concepts. But here's the deal: money is power, and power is uh, money's power, and power is political. And there is no government in the world that's going to hand over the reins of power to a bunch of monetary theorists with Bitcoin and just walk away. And anybody who thinks that's going to happen is deluded. They might like the idea, it's really cool, it's like a liberal fantasy. Um, yeah, no, it's not going to happen. I hate to tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm putting a pin in this balloon, um, it's not going to happen. It's a great thought experiment, fantastic, but that's as far as it goes. And it does not have any comparison to gold in that regard, because gold doesn't require a digital system. It doesn't require anything. It can you can bury it the back of your in your garden and leave a note to your grandkids, and it's going to buy you the pretty much the same amount of value in 20, 30, hundred years that it does today. You know, there is an old um, story that says uh, you, uh, uh, an ounce of gold in the time of Julius Caesar would have bought a senator a new toga in the time of in in, in Rome, and today an ounce of gold is what two thousand dollars. It could buy you a good suit of clothing today. That's not by accident. That's that's the that's that, that's its monetary credentials. I have a feeling that in two thousand years or you know whatever it is, uh, Bitcoin will not be able to buy you uh, an equivalent amount of value. I just have a feeling about it, but I could be wrong. The other major problem I have with Bitcoin, and I study this quite a lot, so I'm not just some talking head here, is that one of the biggest strengths that's touted to Bitcoin is that it's, uh, uh, it's an immutable ledger, which means that it's it you can't interfere with it all the way through. Technically, you can, but one of the stories itself is it's immutable. So um every 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 coin is is encoded and securely. Um, but if you own that bitcoin today and the feds come knocking on your door in a year's time and they turn around and they go, Hey, you own that Bitcoin? Well, we have a registration of everything that was all bitcoins that were stolen, and guess what? Yours is on it. We want it back. You're you're done. You have to hand that over because it goes back to the person who lost it in, in, in the theft. Whereas cash and gold, to a lesser extent, is in fact um, uh, is in fact uh, anonymous in terms of its physical characteristics. Um, it doesn't necessarily transfer back unless it's a serial numbered thing. Um, so I think Bitcoin actually has kind of provident risk. The providence of the actual coin will follow you forever and you have no way of validating where it's been or what hands it's been or what dodgy activity it's been involved in but you own it and maybe even you're a part of it and maybe people will look at you and go you knew what you were buying you got it on the cheap you bought something that was filthy and you're stained so i think it's got this unique problem that other monetary systems don't have and a lot of people who have bitcoin or love bitcoin i say that to them and they're like oh crap you're right oh my god so yeah well, it's it's apple. all, it's all sort of uh
1: very a person has to have an open mind to get their head around even gold, uh you know if, you know back in 2020 things were you know the economy and all, everything was going you know bad and you know I think well and I would ask you so if things got so bad that we went back to having to use gold. Would I like take my gold bar and I would you know, shave off with a cheese grater a bit and use those crumbs to pay the person at the grocery store for my groceries? Or how, how would that system actually work?
0: Well, I hope to God we don't ever find ourselves back there because literally you might be living in a cave. Um, no, I don't think any of this. I'm, I'm a, I love technology and monetary systems. and I think banking, the concept of banking is fantastic. I love it. I just think it's been run really badly, and by criminals in many respects. People who are printing money are acting criminally. And um, and so, no, I don't think so. I think, for me, gold in the future, if we do get into a real kind of scary place, I think what will happen is that all monetary systems might will regress back, wither and die in some ways, and what you're left with at the end of the day is the collateral, the actual functioning assets of a society. And off the back of those, like an elastic band, does the monetary system develop? And and you're able to say, you know what? You have no cash, but you have a house. And I have a bank. And so you pledge me your house. And I will generate whatever the monetary system is in credits and give it to you. You go and then buy stuff and do stuff, productive, build factories. And you pay that back. And I give you back your house. So my balance sheet is zero. I have a house. I don't have the money. You have the money. You don't have the house. So it's it's it's... There's no creation of anything. It's just kind of an animation of collateral. That's what a monetary system does. And I think that ultimately will happen. We'll probably have a reset or a new new, a new a currency coming about, whatever the world looks like. I don't know when. I do know that the, at the pace that these guys are going at and the way the regulators are owned by the industry, and we have this thing like a regulatory capture, so the, the person regulating the banks today is giving them a job you know, or he gets a job with the guys he was regulating tomorrow. I mean, this is happens in all our industries right now, and it just goes on. It's this dirty little secret. So ultimately, we're not regulating, we're not operating correctly, and we're not we're not actually operating the system that was designed correctly. And you know, I don't think it's a system. I think it's the people who run it. So ultimately, uh, we'll see what happens. I think gold will be one of those assets, that collateral that they'll roll out, and like the Germans will go, hey, you know what? We're going to have a new currency system in europe here's our gold supply to underpin it you know the chinese will do the same thing the americans will whatever it might be i don't know
1: so you you came from the finance world and then you you know you've now built up uh you know you're you're managing more than 300 million in in gold for clients what what was the final i've got to go to the goal i've got to go gold i've got to you know this is my passion and I'm going to address it and you, you know, went over there. What was the catalyst that sent you there?
0: Well, I, 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 kind of, when I worked in Wall Street, I was very much involved in technology. I loved the whole trading, risk, clearing system, efficiency. I loved all that. And, um, and when I got back to Ireland, I wanted to get involved in a financial services company and I didn't care what it was. I just wanted to sell stuff and build really cool systems that made it better and faster and delivered value. And my old school friend, Mark, had set up Goldcore. And then I joined just a few months later. And I took a 50% share in it. The two of us ran it out of his apartment. And we built and built and built it up one customer at a time. We didn't raise money or anything like that. You know, We didn't pay ourselves for the first few years. Um, and we banked a little bit and banked a little bit. And then we actually got a salary after like year two. Uh, and we worked together for 17 years. And we were very early in the cycle. We started in 2003 when gold was like $300 an ounce. And then it rose all the way up to like, you know, whatever it was, 1900, back at the global financial crises, and then it fell again. And we learned an awful lot on the way up, and we learned even more on the way down in terms of contraction in the business. Um, and so um, I bought Mark out two and a half years ago. He, he, he exited the business, and he left me in charge. And since then, um, I've changed things around a bit, hired more people, and expanded into the United States. Um, and it's uh, it's been a wild, wild ride. I am insanely passionate about it, as you can probably tell. Uh, you know, even though I've, we're twenty years in business this year, uh, I, I look at every week It's been a blessing. I'm delighted. I love my customers. I love our suppliers. I really love our 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 team here. They're just incredible people, every one of them. Uh, and I'm really honoured to 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 be in a position of uh, trust. And I don't take it lightly. You know, um, it's a really, really, it's a great responsibility, and I, I feel blessed.
1: Was there was there any sort of Thing that you saw, like, so if you started in, in two thousand, what you say, three? Yeah. So it was post tech crash. Yeah. Like you had to have some thoughts of like, okay, there's there's got to be a better way, or yeah, you know, no, I got it friends was Mark. In space I'm, I'm
0: gonna get- I'm gonna give that to Mark, my old school friend. Um, he was in here in Ireland at the time, and he was looking at the property market going gangbusters. Um, property was going up like 10, 15, 20% year on year. Really, um, you know, very um, average people were making extraordinary profits. And they were confusing their success with the market uh, with the market that, that was moving up. And, and, you know, we had this thing called the Celtic Tiger. Uh, you may have heard this term. And it was like Irish people who had no money before suddenly were like, you know, lauding themselves around town and like, you know, you know it was just disgusting displays of wealth, like helicopters everywhere. And, and it was all leveraged. It was all property-based. And it was based on, a, on a, the euro currency and cheap interest rates, which we never had before. No one trusted the Irish with cheap interest rates. Our interest rates were like six or whatever, six and seven percent. And then the Germans gave us the power of their currency combined to the euro and we got the euro, and our interest rates went right down to like 2%, and we were like, party. And, um, and as we started buying up everything, we were going to London, and they were buying up huge you know hotels over there and going nuts. Anyway, Mark copped this, and he was like, hey, this ain't going to last, but where does the crowd go when it bursts and it gets ugly? And he goes, they go to a safe haven asset, and nobody was providing gold really in any real, real way in Ireland. So he had the notion of setting up uh, a gold bullion trading business. And then he called his old friend who he knew and who was involved in banking in Wall Street, me. And, uh, and I got on board and together we grew the business with some um, great team members here and, and great clients. We had some really great clients in those early days who came in and supported us, and believed in what we were doing and they're still, they're still with us today.
1: So I'm a client. Uh, yeah. I'm a client that wants to do business with you guys. What, what does my journey look
0: like? Yeah, all you need is about five minutes your identity documents, proof of address, and you can become a client. It's that easy. Uh, it's on our website. We make it really, really easy, uh, goldcore.com. Uh, you sign up, uh, it's a one page, and then you get a you download an app on your phone, take your photograph. It's very, very straightforward. Then you can deposit funds with us and it stays in a client assets account, so it's segregated. Uh, and then you can once that log that's lodged in, you can log on to the system and then place your order, or you can phone us up, we'll have a we'll have a strategy call. So we'll, we'll figure out what's right for you. And most importantly, if it's not a fit or we don't think you know what you're doing, we will actually say we don't want to do business with you, which is very rare. But we rather have a client that understands and really gets it um, and, uh, and, and, and understands what we do and what we don't do. Like we're, we're, our clients aren't speculators. So if you're buying gold today and you're paying like a 3 4% premium over spot, you sell it tomorrow, you're going to lose that. That's crazy. But if you're an investor and you want a form of gold that's tangible, that's unquestionably valuable, and it's outside the financial system, then we, we are the company for you. Uh, so have a strategy call with us. We'll figure out what's right for you. And we'll get you in the market. And, uh, and, uh, and away you go. Um, one thing I'm really, really proud of is uh, I think it was in 2012 we started canvassing all of our clients. And we said, listen, give us a, a rating out of five stars. Give us a little comment. And what we did was, all those ratings go up on our website live. We don't get to control them at all. It's a third party puts them up there, and that's it. We live and die by those. We have 3,000 five star reviews from our clients. Um, it's a 4.9 out of five average. So, you know, and that's over 12, 13 years now, um, which is unbelievable. Uh, we're really, really proud of that. And, um, and and I say, you know, every every month at our all hands, I read out the favorite ones. And uh, we talk about it as a group, and we take great pride in it. So it's easy to become a client, and we'll, we'll we won't set you we won't we won't set you wrong, and we'll give you good advice and uh, in terms of what your options are.
1: So again, listener, this isn't uh, buy or sell advice. Uh, seek yeah. you know professional counsel. But uh, I I want to make you unpack it further because I think it, it's 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 fascinating. And when I meet clients who say, "Oh, I, I own gold." And they send me their statements and they really own an ETF that tracks the price of gold or they own some, you know, they'll say I own bullion. And I'll say, okay, well, let's see. Well, it's a statement from an investment firm and it has some value on it, which it really isn't what we're talking about with you today. So, you know, when someone comes to you and they say, hey, I've got a million dollars or I've got a hundred thousand and they give it to you. What happens next on, like, and I'm not asking for your inner secret sauce, but what happens from a logistics standpoint with that hundred thousand that that person gave you?
0: Yeah. So it's, it's a great question. It's really important because there's the bones of it. Like what actually is really happening. You're not just a, a number on a spreadsheet. So what happens is you're actually buying a real gold product formatted coins, bars, whatever they are. We'll talk about the options for you. But you're going to have that on a shelf if you choose a storage. And so they comes, <coughs> those products come off what are called LBMA, Approved Refineries and Mints. That stands for London Bullion Market Association. These guys are the kind of quasi-industry industry regulator. They're, 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 they're not government, but they're, they're, they're kind of the regulator for the industry. They set the standards for what constitutes investment-grade gold. And they audit all the refiners and the mints and make sure that they operate to a very high standard. Uh, and we only buy their, the products that come from those members, which is really important because, it's, 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 again, it's, it's, uh, it's unquestionably high quality. And so, if you were to send us a million dollars and we'd say we'd come up with an, a trading strategy for you, and it might end up that you're buying kilo bars, kilos of gold uh, in Zurich, and they're going to be stored in, uh, in a vault in, in Zurich outside the financial system. So we'll buy those off a refiner, they'll move from the refiner's factory in Switzerland to the vault in Switzerland, and they go on a shelf, and uh, in a receptacle on the shelf with an account number, and those bars and the serial numbers are recorded, are associated with you directly, and they're on our portal. So you can log into your portal when the trade's done, which could be done in hours, like it's that quick, or it could, you know, typically over a few days. But those assets are credited to your account at Goldcore, the serial numbers are all stated, But then we do something, and I don't think any other dealer in the world does this. We actually give you the credentials to log into the vaulting company's system, independently of Goldcore, in in Switzerland, and put in your your details. And there you'll see your account number and all your bars and all your serial numbers listed. By their records, 24-7. So you know what you bought is there. And the other thing to remember is these assets are not on our balance sheet. So if Goldcore disappears tomorrow, goes out of business, whatever happens, gets shut down by the government, who knows, your assets are not compromised. They're not on our balance sheet. Our creditors don't have access to them. They're not on the vault company's um, balance sheet either. Uh, They're only on the client's balance sheet. It's like you had your car parked in our car garage. It's kept safe. We don't get to drive it. Uh, We don't get to move it or use it or lease it out or rent it. It just sits there until you say otherwise. You You can cover it with a tarpaulin. It gathers dust until you decide you want to go drive it, um, and that's that's the best way to hold gold because ultimately you're owning it for systemic hedging. You think if the system was to go to pot, if the banks failed, some a war broke out, a pandemic happened—I don't know—choose your choose your disaster. Um, you know that that gold is sitting there; it's unquestionably accessible. And if you want to sell it, you can sell it to us or to someone else. If you want to ship it to you, you can do that too. You have total domain and control over that. Um, it's fully insured. We get auditors to go in and they look at all the, the holdings and they give us a report. We send that to you. We send you the certificate of insurance from a broker at Lloyd's of London. Um, and you can go visit your gold in those vaults as well. Some of them, some of them you can't. Um, but I don't think you could possibly make it any safer. Um, but the other great thing is we have eyes on it at all times. So we know that if we sold you that kilo bar, it never moved out, out of the vault. And we know if you say, "Up, uh, you know, I want to sell it to you, Stephen, um, and we go, great, there's our price. And you go, done. Uh, we can give you the money very, very quickly, and we can sell it to another customer knowing it's been in the chain of integrity. It hasn't been interfered with, and it is pure.
1: Is, is there... Uh... Is there more of an insurance premium at different facilities? Like are different facilities higher security or is it all basically like a standard that's like, they all have to be. Well,
0: we charge the same storage rate everywhere. Um, We don't, we don't, but I'm sure that at the vault level, there, there will be some places that will have better credentials, but they all have, there's a lot of standards around security. Um, Switzerland is one of the lowest risk environments in the world because where do you go if you rob it? Like you're surrounded by the Alps on one side, and you know, and 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 it's hard to get anywhere. Um, so they, I don't think they've ever had uh, any major robberies there. I could be wrong on this one, but I don't think so. Um, so it's one of the lowest risks. But we offer, we actually tell the customers, listen, you choose where you want to have it. And if you're really worried about the situation in the world, like you know, like, and there's a lot to be worried about. Let's face it. So you take your asset. You have a million dollars. You say, you know what? I'm going to put some in Singapore. I'm going to put some in Zurich. I'm going to have some in in London, Dublin. I'm going to have some in, in North America, maybe Toronto. You spread it around. It's it's the same charge. We don't charge you uh, any more or less. It's the same fee based on the total value. And uh, and what, what you can do is you can decide, you know what? I think I'm going to move that out of Toronto, and I'm going to move it to New York. And we'll move it for you. It's your asset, you know? Um, and, and, and the main thing is what we do is we make a market. We keep it safe. We have it insured, um, but we're the we're vigilant. This is the most important thing. We're like a clearinghouse for risks. You know, we've got thousands of customers all over the world, and they're all feeding us information when they see things. We take that information and in, we spread it out again, and we tell people, like, listen, hey, you know what? We're not happy about Hong Kong right now. A lot of protests there, Chinese troops on the border. What happens if, like, if that vault gets compromised? You know, does your insurance pay out? Well, hell, it doesn't pay out because of you know you know it becomes one of these un- uninsurable risks you know civil unrest so what do you want to move your gold to singapore we got a plane going in 2 days we did this this actually happened and we got like 97% of our customers out of hong kong we moved them to singapore 3% were on holidays they couldn't take our call they stayed in hong kong because everything is segregated they're not they, they were not available to make a call on it they stayed there um, and that's because we're not you're not like co-mingled like a lot, of, a lot of a lot of companies will sell you a, a big 400 ounce bar of gold and have 10,000 people own little bits of it and they have to get all those people to you know permission to move it not in our case everything's segregated out it's ready to go
1: so is there um oh i got so many things to ask you so is there a different like is there a difference between gold and silver like, obviously there is, but is there a difference in like the storage? Cause you need a, do you need a lot more silver to make up the same is gold and silver different weights. Are they not?
0: No, well, weight weight is relative. So they have, they can have the same weight they' the same weight, but they have a different atomic mass. Uh, and so per, per mass per, per, you know, the volume, they can be different weights, but they're quite different, you know, um, as an investor, our rule of thumb is 75% gold allocation, 25% silver. And with silver, you know, uh, if you think we're gonna get into a period of uncertainty and things are gonna get a bit hairy and gold's gonna go up a percentage, whatever it is, silver will probably go up twice as fast, twice as far. Uh, And conversely, it'll fall twice as fast, twice as far. So you're gonna get a little bit more volatility um, and over the long term, it, I don't think it does it any better than gold. Uh, but if you think you're smart enough and you want to be a little bit of a speculator, yeah, put a bit of silver in there. I have silver in my portfolio. I've gold and silver, and I think it's. I think silver's got some. Uh, some. Some. It's got some great potential. But if you're older, you know, maybe you want to be a bit more conservative and maybe have more gold than than silver.
1: And, and is okay. So and. And just to finish my initial thought on the, the funds. So if, if let's say you buy an ETF, a gold ETF, and mm-hmm. it just literally tracks the price of gold, and I'm talking about, yeah, ETF. So for a listener, it would be like a you know, mutual fund or a fund where a bunch of people put money in, and then you know the price of gold goes up. Now, if the price of gold goes up 5% in a day, Will the ETF go up exactly 5% as well?
0: Uh, I I would say no, not exactly, but close to, um, it should do. But what you will find in the future is, is that uh, I kind of call ETFs. I think they're, they're great for speculators. It's a really cheap way of getting access to gold and getting exposure to gold but you're not owning it in a way that's conducive to systemic risk. So you do have like lots of companies that have a book value of X, but trade at a far less multiplier of Y. Um, And the reason is because they have these risks associated with them and they have costs embedded in them. And so investors don't really accept what the book value is. So I believe, and I could be wrong, but I believe that if you're a speculator, yep, go with ETFs all day. Hell, look at the futures market. You can even get more leverage. You know, you could lose your shirt too. But hey, you know that never stopped anyone. So, but if you're if you're worried about systemic risk, which is like you know you ring up the phone and you get like you know a do 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 tone, like there's no one there. You know the institution's disappeared. No one's answering. Uh, then you probably don't want an ETF. You want physical gold sitting in a vault in a really safe jurisdiction. And it's a whole different proposition. So ETFs great for speculating and holding. Low costs, hard you know, very very low costs. Although at larger sums, our storage costs are much lower than ETFs. Believe it or not, um, there's a lot less paperwork, a lot less middlemen to pay, uh, paper shufflers. So um, uh, I think I think uh, an ETF has has a purpose, and I think it's they, it's done a great they've done a great service for the gold market because they've raised awareness made it easy for people to invest in gold. But no, I think astute people who look at systemic risk probably want the real thing, sitting in a vault with, this, with, the, with the, the narrowest proximity. They want to be as close legally to their gold as possible.
1: Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I, I think, and maybe we're not going to solve this problem today, but I think if, if you've got an ETF that is tracking that, when you have a fund and a bunch of people, you could have a situation where a bunch of people are selling the ETF on one day, and the price is actually coming down based on sales of just the fund. And the yeah. price
0: of gold could actually go up. Yeah, because that ha- that could happen, right? Yeah, yeah. There was there was a case in um, in Canada. I think there was this fund. It was really it was interesting. It had it was fully backed by metals, and it was an unusual structure. And it used to trade at a discount. So the gold held in it because it had a kind of a unique set of risks in terms of redemption that made it difficult, I think, to access. Now, this is going back years, so I'm kind of pushing now to remember. I think it was bought by a much bigger, well-known Canadian uh, commodities specialist. But um, I'd have to go back and think about it. But yes, yeah, sometimes all, all investment funds can, tri- can have a, uh, a disconnect between their underlying. Um, it absolutely can happen.
1: So, uh, And again, I'm, I'm pivoting, but listener is always wondering where are the markets going in the future? What do you see on the horizon? I know you don't have a crystal ball, but what do you see as sort of decision levers that you, being in the market, watching the economy, watching the world,
0: what levers are you watching? So um, geopolitically, let's go up to 30,000 feet. What we're seeing is right now is the you know, the, the we're in the late stages of a currency war, uh, where the dollar, which has been held supreme for you know got some, you know gone on hundred years, is now being shunned by some big players, uh, and the reason is um, they weaponized the dollar, they used it to um, freeze central bank assets in the case of Russia, and you know it's not a case of being right or wrong on that. But it's the signal that it sends every other country in the world that this is now that they've kind of they've broken through a Rubicon that is a point of no return. Once you do that, you can't take it back. And so those countries are now saying, Hey, you know what? We need to diversify our reserves. We don't need we shouldn't have all dollars, we shouldn't have dollar debt. Let's go, even if it might cost differently, you know, it might be a different proposition, let's have other currencies. And now what we have is China which has aspirations to become a global superpower, it is a global superpower, but to become the global superpower and usurp the United States, and there's a battle between these two titans, they're going to be looking for the world to turn to their currency to pay for their energy, uh, to transact, and they've just won over, I mean, it's huge news, just happened in the last few weeks, they just won over Saudi Arabia, one of the biggest energy exporters in the world, and they are now going to be exporting energy and get paid Chinese renminbi and yuan and trade accordingly. And if you, and you, hear, if you look at the press release, the, the Saudis said, well, you know what? We only really care about our own interests. Let's be honest about this, which is refreshing because most countries never talk like this. Um, and, the, and we trade more with China than anyone else. So yeah, it makes sense. And it does. But years ago, if you had suggested that you were going to, you know, trade out of dollars into other currencies, you would have been invaded. <laughs> you would have had troops on your door <laughs> for humanitarian purposes. You know, you've been disposed because you're like, a, you know, and I'm not saying some of the people that were deposed, disposed, deposed, and disposed, disposed weren't nasty types of people. But, you know, it was I think it was more a question of the dollar than it was about nasty people. Um, and call me a skeptic, but Hey, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, so right now the world is changing. These, these, uh, rules are being broken, uh, and rewritten and, uh, and the world is changing. So yeah, in that scenario, I see the, the, the need for gold as a form of money that can't be suddenly withdrawn or, uh, you know, taken away from you because you hold it, uh, as being very, very important in the world.
1: Have you ever read uh, Ray Dalio's book, *Changing the World Order*? You read that one?
0: Uh, no, I I love Ray Dalio, and I haven't read that one. I think he had an essay uh, up on LinkedIn, and I've dipped in and out of it. Um, but yeah, no, he, he's he's a. I think he's just an absolute genius. Uh, I think his work is amazing. Principles. I love that book, and um, yeah, yeah, absolutely genius. He unpacks
1: he unpacks what you're sort of talking about. A little bit scary sometimes, but at the same time, I think it's uh, awareness and just stretching your brain to know all the different levers that are happening. Final question for uh, for you would be, you you are probably not dealing with a bunch of clients who buy $5,000 uh, gold positions, which I know you can do that. You're dealing with some wealthy people, right down to someone who wants to do 5,000. But in dealing with wealthy clients and dealing with their wealth, you kind of mentioned the allocation. What are some of the traits that you see when you're working with these you know, wealthy clients? What are some of the behaviors around money, around wealth? What is wealth? Where does your mind go when I ask you sort of what are some of these you know, unique traits of, of dealing with the wealthy and, and their gold?
0: I think our market is a little different than the traditional market. Um, um, our clients tend to be worldly, traveled, inquisitive, refreshingly honest, highest integrity. They really, really are. Um, and they have a healthy degree of skepticism. They don't, they understand their own biases. They have biases. And they also examine the other side of arguments. You know, they like to debate. Um, and they don't, they they would be, they're kind of scratching their heads of late because in the last 10, 20 years, um, the way the world has gone in terms of information flow is astonishing, you know, you know in terms of way people who are um, cancelled, removed from the equation, not even invited to the table anymore. Um, history tells us where this goes. So our, our clients would be concerned about what's happening there, you know. Um, they, they, you, 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 they would understand the value of real honest debate and learning. So, um, the other thing about them is most of them didn't set out to become wealthy. They became domain experts. they had a really good work ethic. They always never stopped learning and developing uh, and money came from being great at something, but it was an afterthought it was it was a it, it came after the fact they wanted to become expert and honest in the delivery of some service or some expertise and then money follows that so for anyone who's out there looking to build a fortune don't chase the money, um, become a domain expert, become uh, invaluable to people, always remember integrity matters more than anything, uh, and if I could add my own piece in there, and to bring it back to Ray Dalio, one of the most important things you could do is to, to learn how to meditate, um, to, to actually, it starts with you, it starts with your mind, and you have to look after that, and uh, if you read up on Ray Dalio and his principles book, he talks about meditation. I learned to meditate because of what he said in that book. Uh, and it changed my life completely.
1: Very cool. Well, that, uh, that was a great bookend, Stephen. Thanks. Where can people find more information about you and uh, your studies, your
0: company? So, uh, yeah, if you go to our website, it's goldcore.com. Um, and, and we have a, a team of people there ready to help you. Uh, and answer your questions. Um, there's no hard sell. Nobody gets paid a commission uh, to sell anything. Uh, we're all about the long uh, the long view and client service at at all costs. and uh, and um, yeah, so get on get on the phone or send up set up an account uh, and you 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 can set up a strategy call and learn all about us. And I'm always available to take a call, even if it's a five thousand dollars trade. I've no problem taking the call. I love talking to clients. Um, and it's uh, Yeah, you can ask for me or anyone on the team.
1: Thanks a lot, Stephen Flood, listener. I know that uh, I enjoyed and learned a ton today. I hope you did too. Thanks a lot for being on the show. It was great to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you enjoyed the show, please like and rate the show, share with a friend, or use your new knowledge in your next conversation. If during the show something gave you a pang of inspiration, motivation, or sense of uncertainty, act on it now. Get the clarity you're looking for. Find the permission you seek. Go to servicewealth.com to discover how others are learning how to take Fridays off or buying a recreation property or spending more money. If you're an organizer of an event where you believe my philosophy on finance, lifestyle design would be applicable, go to servicewealth.com and book me as a speaker at your next event. If you want a copy of our new book coming out soon, send me a message on Instagram or Facebook and we will be sure to get you a first copy.